It is a joy to be with you tonight. If, if you're behind a speaker and you would like to move your chair to see me, I'm sure you really want to be able to see me. It's really important for everyone. Feel free to, or if you don't want to, I won't be offended. It might be it's like better for you. That's all good. Uh, I, I am thankful to be with you tonight, and I, yeah, I know that God has been at work in your lives and in your stories tonight and today and this week, and he's been at work in mine, and I'm, and I'm grateful for that mercy. We are, <clears throat> we, we have, after this week, we have one more normal week of RUF, that's a week from today, and then the, the, the last week will be uh, a senior share night, which is a chance to hear testimony of God's work in and through the lives of our seniors, uh, and everyone is invited to that, and I, yeah, looking forward to that. That will also be, also be here at Grace. That's going to start at 7.30 p.m., but you will hear more about that next week. For tonight, we are continuing the series in the, in the Beatitudes of Jesus, these blessings at the beginning of the most famous written thing in the history of the world, which is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount from Matthews 5, 6, and 7. And we're looking at the Beatitudes because we've come to this point in the year, uh, almost to the end of the school year, feeling like at least we're almost to the end of COVID with all kinds of uh, hopes and excitements for the future, all kinds of fears and insecurities for the future, all kinds of joys from this past year, all kinds of losses from this past year. And we're asking, well, where do we go from here? Where do we look? How do we reroute ourselves as we move forward? And so we're looking at the center of the Christian life, which is these blessings. These, these places where Jesus tells us not only the heart of the Christian life, but the heart of him, who is, of course, our life. John says Jesus is our life. And so we're looking at Matthew 5. And we looked at the first three of these blessings last week. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. And blessed are the meek. And we're looking at the next two this evening. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And blessed are the merciful. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this from Matthew 5, 1 to 12. It's on the back of your handout. Or you can read along in your Bible. But please read along with me. It would be great for you to have the text in front of you. <clears throat> from Matthew 5. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they prosecuted, sorry, persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is God's word. It's absolutely true. He gives it to us tonight because he loves us. So pray with me and then we'll jump in. Lord Jesus, uh, we come to you tonight, um, some of us tired and weary, some of us broken, some of us hopeful and encouraged, some of us satisfied, and some of us longing for more of what we don't have. And, and we ask that you would meet us exactly where we are that your spirit would be at work through your word right now so we might know you and love you more and love one another. Pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. There's an episode in the, in the show Parks and Recreation where 
Uh, Leslie Nope uh, and the Parks Department are receiving a commendation from the State House in Indianapolis. And so Leslie is going up to receive this award and, and give a little speech. And her boss, Ron Swanson, is going with her. And Ron thinks that government is dumb and that awards are dumb and everything about this is dumb. But he is going because in Indianapolis, as you know, you, you well know, of course, now, uh, is the greatest steakhouse in the state, which is Mulligan's Steakhouse. And Ron is obsessed with Mulligan's Steakhouse. This is a man who, who likes a good steak, not unlike myself. And, and Ron has, uh, is fasting all day long in order to be prepared to fully receive the gift of this steak. And he carries with him a scrapbook, which he has made, which is a picture with him and every steak he's ever ordered from Mulligan's Steakhouse. And on the way up, he's, he's really grumpy. And Leslie's asking him why he's so grumpy, and he says, you know, I haven't, I haven't eaten all day. He says, you don't ever understand. We're going to the most special place on earth. He says, after I eat a mulligan steak, there are flecks of meat in my mustache for weeks, and I refuse to wash it because every once in a while, one of those flecks makes it to my mouth, and I get another delicious bite of meat. This is a man who is driven by this deep hunger inside of him for the thing that he thinks will most satisfy him. A Mulligan's Steakhouse steak. And, and, and I'm talking about this because this passage is, is about this sense of being driven in our lives by, by hunger, by a desire for the things that we think might satisfy us, might give us what we need. It's a call to be driven by that kind of hunger. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And last week we talked about the, the, the first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit. And Jesus gives us these, these beautiful word plays. We talked about how poor in spirit has this kind of double meaning of being poor in breath, of having uh, this moment-by-moment moment need for breath, which is what it's like to be walking with Jesus. A aware of that moment-by-moment moment need for his presence to give us life. And so we're not talking about breath this time. We're talking about hunger. And, and hunger is another daily reality of our lives, right? We all are hungry every single day. And, of course, our, our, our relationship with food for some of us can be, can be complicated, can be broken, can be difficult. But we know what it's like to be hungry. And, and God knows that we are people of hunger. He knows that we're people of appetite. He knows that we are people who have these, these gut-level longings and desires to get things. And, and so I want to tell you that although our appetites can be out of control at times and our desires can be broken and misplaced, God made you to long for things. He made you to be hungry and thirsty. He made you to long to have things and to taste them and to enjoy them. We're people of, of appetite with this daily drive deep in our gut to get the things that we think might satisfy us. And, and I think what Jesus is teaching us here at, at the core of this beatitude is he's encouraging and calling us to this, to this refusal to be satisfied with hunger for the wrong things and to insist on satisfying our hunger in the one thing, the one place, the one meal that might actually quench and sate our hunger and our thirst and that is himself. And so if you hear one thing tonight, I want you to hear this. I know that you are hungry and thirsty for a lot of things in your life, but God is the only thing that will satisfy your hunger and your thirst. 
He is the only thing that will satisfy your hunger and your thirst. And so I, I, I want you to look for a second inwardly, and I want you to think about your faith and your heart and your life. And I want you to think about the daily hungers and appetites that you have. The things that you are longing for and going after each day that you think might satisfy you. And, and I want you to face the question, do you believe and does your life reflect the belief that you are only satisfied in God? And, and I will be the first to tell you that I really struggle in my faith here. I will be the first to tell you that today I have struggled to believe that God can satisfy me and that God alone can satisfy me. And I have sought to, to, to quench that hunger and that thirst in a hundred different places. And, and sometimes we, we try to quench that hunger, that desire for, for satisfaction in, in, uh, in the wrong kinds of places, right? We, we, we think that um, if other people say the right things about us and like us, that'll satisfy us. Or we think that good grades will satisfy us. Or we think that sex will satisfy us. Or, or, or we think that money will satisfy us. Or we think that certain positions or jobs or things on our resume will satisfy us. And, and then other times, we, we hunger after things that are, actually, that are actually good, right? We hunger for things like health and balance in our life. We hunger for things like sleep and rest. We hunger for things like the satisfaction of a job well done. We hunger for things like friendships. These, these really good things, and, and one of the challenges of the Christian life is that even these good things, things that we need, things that you hear me talking about all the time that God is calling you to move towards, that even those things are not enough to satisfy your hunger and your thirst. Only God is. Nothing but God himself can satisfy your hunger. And the, and the, the words here are really interesting. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for Righteousness is what my Bible says. It's, it's the same word that the New Testament uses for the word justice. Blessed are those who are hunger and thirsting after righteousness or justice. And, and that word for righteousness or justice is kind of a hard one to understand the, the meaning of. It doesn't mean justice or like um, fairness and equality. It doesn't mean righteousness like do the right thing. Righteousness or justice in the Bible is the overflow of God's ways and will in the world. It means the way things are supposed to be. The way of life and love and mercy and compassion and truth and beauty that flows from God's very character and heart. That those things being manifest in the world in the way that reflects who God is, is righteousness and justice. And the fruit of one who finds satisfaction in God is that we, we, as we look at the world around us, that we refuse to be satisfied with a world that is not the way it is supposed to be. The, the fruit of hungering after God is a hungering for his ways to be realized in the world and a refusal to accept it, anything, anything but that. When, when they finally get to Mulligan's Steakhouse, they, they find that it has been boarded up and closed down due to health code violations. And, and Ron Swanson is devastated. And they make their way to this diner, and he orders a steak at this diner, and he gets this, this teeny little overcooked piece of sirloin. And he looks down at it in disgust. And he says, you, you call this a steak? And he just, he just hands it back. And this has nothing to do with my, with my sermon, but it's just a funny thing Ron Swanson says. But he, he then says, 
son, bring me all the eggs and bacon you have. And he says, hold on now. I think what you heard me said was, bring me a lot of eggs and bacon. What I said was, bring me all the eggs and bacon you have. Again, unimportant, but funny. Jesus is, is calling us not to settle for less than the way things are supposed to be in the world. He's calling us to look at the things around us that are not right, that are not reflections of God's love and truth and beauty and kindness, and to reject them, and to fight against them, and to seek with the hunger inside of us that drives us to make things the way that they are supposed to be, to bring the ways of love and truth and mercy and justice to the world around us. And so you have here this, this aspect of what it means to follow Christ. And, you know, and I'm, I'm hesitant to, word, to use the word activist here because it uh, has, has certain kinds of political connotations. But what you're seeing here is the action of love that is at the heart of our love for God. Because Jesus always connects our love of God with our love for the world around us. When he's asked what's the most important command, he says, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. And that a part of that love, part of that hungering after God is to look around you at the things that are not right. And with all that you have in you to fight to make them right. Now, now I want to say this too. We'll talk about this uh, next week as we look at the next. Uh, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the pure in heart. That, that built into this work of action against things that are not right in the world for Christians is, is a commitment to love, to gentleness, to compassion, to truth, to, to making peace. But, but there is this call to action. And so that means that as you look around at the you know, social exclusions of your school, as you look around at racial injustice in your community, as you look around at people who are suffering, as you look around at people who are hurting, as you look around at people who are lonely, if you love God, that one of the fruits of that that you want to see in your life and that we want to call each other to as a community is to move towards those things with compassion and with love. To say, I, I am not okay with anything less than justice. I am not okay with anything less than love. I am not okay with anything less than righteousness and justice, because God is not okay with anything less. And what you see in the sending of his son Jesus to live and to die and to rise again for you and for me is God saying, I am not okay with this. This is not the way things are supposed to be, and I will move into it in love until I make it right again. And we live in the, we live in the tension where uh, even as we act in love in the world and even as we strive for justice, we know that we can't ourselves make everything right. Only God can. And we also know that in the here and now, we're limited. Because even those of us, those of you, those of the world who are trying to act in justice and love in places that are broken, that you yourself are broken. And one of the promises of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that actually a day is coming when everything wrong will be, will be made right which means there's actually going to be an end to poverty. There's going to be an end to oppression. There's going to be an end to inequality and injustice. There's going to be an end to racism. There's going to be an end to loneliness. There's going to be an end to shame. It's going to end. God's righteousness, his justice, 
It will flow like a river that never stops, that consumes everything and brings fruit and life to everything. It comes later. But we are still called even now to be driven by this hunger and thirst to make things right because of our hunger and thirst for God who longs to make things right. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they will be satisfied. You will never be satisfied outside of God. Secondly tonight, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. And and mercy is the heart, the very core of who God is. Mercy is not, a, is not an activity of God. It is not an action of God. It is the identity of God. It is the character of God. This, this is how one, one of my favorite writers, weird name Erasmus Maricacus, this is how he describes what mercy is. He says, It is the active love of God that wants to fill every void and darkness in the human heart with life and joy. Isn't that beautiful? I'm going to read it again. It is the active love of God that wants to fill every void and darkness in the human heart with life and joy. God's character is such that he is drawn like gravity to the places in your life and in your heart and in your story that are most empty and most dark and most broken. He is drawn to them because of who he is. And the thing that he brings is love and life. That is the mercy of God. And God is not up there trying to figure out if he's going to be merciful to you. In who he is, he is is drawn to you like white blood cells are drawn to an infection. The mercy of God is drawn to your places of pain. To your places of guilt and shame, to your places of fear. And, and, I, and I like to picture God's mercy as like a whack-a-mole. Do you ever play whack-a-mole in Arcade as a kid? You got, you, got these, you got these paddles and something pops up and you got to hit the mole and knock it back down. And another one pops up over here. God is the, is the ultimate whack-a-mole player. His love is whack-a-moleing the brokenness in your heart, only his reflexes are like a Jedi and he gets it every single time and he never stops. And so I want you to hear tonight that in your places of pain and hurt, Jesus moves right there and he says, I am with you and I love you. And in your places where you have regret and guilt in your life because of your sin, God moves right to those places and he says, I am with you and I love you. And in your places of deepest fear and insecurity, God moves right to those places and he says, I see you and I love you and I am with you. In your places of deepest shame and loneliness, fearing to be exposed, God moves right to that place and he says, I see you and I am with you and I love you. That is the mercy of God for you. And to be merciful is to know mercy. And God again and again connects mercy and forgiveness that we receive from the mercy and forgiveness that we extend. And so he actually calls us as individuals and as a community to have that same heart of being on the lookout, being out out to identify places in others where there is brokenness and pain and shame and guilt and fear and to draw near in love. And if there is one thing that, that should define the people of God, and of course it doesn't always, 
But if there's one thing that should define the people of God, it is mercy. It is this gravitational pull on our hearts to see and identify the pain around us and to move towards it with love and with life. And we have a really hard time doing this for a variety of reasons. And one of the reasons tends that we just tend to be kind of caught up in our own stories, right? We tend to be mostly, if you're like me, we tend to be mostly thinking about ourselves and our own pain. And then, and then other times we, uh, we tend to just kind of look away. You ever see those stories in the paper of, uh, of witnesses seeing a crime being committed or a robbery or, a, or even an assault and they just sort of like look away and they don't go help? Like we, we have that in our hearts where something keeps us from like really seeing and we turn away uh, from, from pain. And, and we tend not to act because it's costly. Do you know what happens when you move towards someone else's pain? It becomes your pain. When you move towards someone else's burdens, it becomes your burden. When you move towards someone else's darkness, you have to go into the darkness. And that's hard. And that's painful. But you also probably know, I hope you know, the beauty and the power when a friend sees you in your darkness and he comes in. When a friend sees you in your pain and she says, I'm going to take that with you. When a friend sees your burden and they say, I'm going to carry that with you. It's one of the most beautiful things in the world. It's one of the ways, guys, that Jesus blesses us in our pain is that he gives us relationships and people to carry those things with us. And one of my biggest prayers for you is that you will find people like that in your time at WNL, that you will find friends like that and that you will be friends like that to others that know the mercy of Jesus, know the way that he moves towards you with love, so much so that it becomes second nature to you that when you see someone is hurting, instead of ignoring them and finding the easy person to hang out with, you go right to the pain. And you say, I see you. And I'm going to be with you. And I love you. As I've, as I've, as I've reflected on this, uh, this evening even, I, I, and as I think about my own heart, and as I think about the pain that I have, and the guilt that I have, and the shame that I have, and the fears that I have, and the insecurities that I have, the vulnerabilities that I'm experiencing in my life. I, I think about my heart like a, like a cave system. Like this intricate network of, of caves and caterns, ca- caverns and, and different, different crevices and cracks and all these little places of darkness that it, it seems like it's impossible to get to. It seems like it'd be impossible to reach them all. It'd be like it would be impossible to illuminate them. And what Jesus does to those places is that he pours in the water of life and love. And his water, his life, his mercy, it, it reaches into every far-off cavern, and it seeps into every minuscule crack, and it seeps into every place of darkness, and it brings life, and it brings light. And, and we are terrified to show the extent of our caverns. To show the extent of our pain and brokenness. And we are terrified to explore because caves are dark and scary and they're sharp rocks. But Jesus has flooded them with his grace and love and he calls us to move towards one another with that love. Let me close in prayer. Lord Jesus, I I praise you and I thank you for the ways that you have moved towards me even this day.
uh, into broken places and into fearful places and painful places and shame and guilt in my heart. And I, Lord, I pray for each of us that we would more and more know the realities of your grace, that we more and more know the realities of your righteousness, the ways that you have made the world to be of love and truth and mercy and justice. And I pray that you would give us the experience of your ways and of your love and mercy to such an extent that it might overflow in our lives and our relationships and our community and our campus and our town and our country and our world. So that our, our witness, our testimony might be the action of love up against darkness. Jesus, we praise you that you've done this for us. In your name, amen.